This is titled, What Happens After the End? This is part three of our study. We're going to be working out of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I've got, I've got a lot to cover. But we're going to be working out of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So no matter where we go, remember 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 20 says, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So if in Adam all die, which was called the first man, then even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Now I want you to turn with me over to John chapter 5. I want to read a couple verses over here. John chapter 5 verse 19. And then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself. Do you see that? The Son can do nothing of himself. Now remember, we are the body of Christ. We are the sons of God. And everything that he was in the flesh is to represent and to set the example of what we are to be. And he said, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the son likewise. See, this is part of the following of the leading of the spirit. We do nothing unless God leads us to do it. I do nothing unless I see my father do it first. We're talking about after the end. And the end that we're dealing with is the end used, which was the Greek word telos. And as Pastor Markham brought on a couple weeks ago, uh, another rendition of the end, which was the Greek word uh, soteria. We are dealing with the ultimate attaining of the point aimed at as a goal. That's what the word telos means. Verse 20 says, of John chapter 5, verse 20, For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. Now look at this. For as the father, fa, good grief, as the father, I sound like brother Brandon now. Uh, I hope he's listening. For as the father raiseth up the dead 
and quickeneth them. Look at this. Even so, the Son quickeneth whom he will. The Son will make alive whoever he will. This is Jesus speaking. For the Father judgeth no man. Look at it. See, everyone thinks God's going to judge them. They even have these tattoos on them. Only God can judge me. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. Now, why would he commit all judgment over to the Son? Or to the office of sonship. Because judgment has to come through the ministry of reconciliation unto salvation. See, what was the name of the son? It was the the name Jesus. And the name Jesus means salvation. And he had the ministry of reconciliation, which he has since delivered over unto us. It said all judgment would come through the Son or the office of sonship because it has got to be filtered through the ministry of reconciliation. See, God had to make a decision that he was going to identify as a Savior. And I know a lot of people struggle with that idea. But I'm, I'm going to give you, I'm going to settle that for you. You better be glad that you were not in Sodom and Gomorrah. Or in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. Some of you live in cities that are probably worse than Sodom and Gomorrah right now. But you don't see God raining down fire and brimstone destroying everyone, do you? Why? Because he kind of figured out that if he destroys all of his creation, he's not going to have any creation left. He's going to have to start over again. See? So, he went from making the claim that he repented of making man on the earth and destroying everything to making the claim that he is love and he is a savior and he was going to reconcile the creation back to himself. See, he made that decision. And I'm pretty glad he made that decision because otherwise I would be destroyed along with you. So judgment has got to be filtered through the it's filtered through the altar office of sonship that's why he said the father judgeth no man but hath committed all judgment unto the son so it goes through the ministry of reconciliation so judgment is no longer let's just destroy everything that makes me mad it's let's reason this and try to reconcile it And let's try to reconcile it unto salvation where I can deliver them from the state that they are in. Now, verse 23 of John chapter 5. 
says that all men should honor the son even as they honor the father. Now, you've got to understand, there is no separating the son and the father. Okay, the reason that we read things like the son and the father is because we are dealing with offices. We are dealing with purposes. See, when you're dealing with the office of the father, you're dealing with the all-supreme deity. You're dealing with your creator. And we are all aware that we can read scriptures that state that Jesus was the creator. But we are dealing with offices. See, the son, the office of sonship is designed so that we could be called sons. See, because without that, there would be no us. Okay, we would be slaves, we would be under law, and we'd be dead because no one could keep that law. So you've just got to understand, if you're struggling with this, we're just dealing with offices and purposes. There is only one spirit of God. There's not multiples. There is one spirit of God, and it just, it performs different duties. That's why we read about all of these different spirits or levels, okay, or uh, offices, excuse me. Verse 24. Verily I say unto you, he that heareth my words, word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. Now look, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. When are you passed from death unto life? When you hear the word and believe. That fast. So verily I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is. Somebody say now is. When the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God. Now, I want you to understand that Jesus was in a flesh body when he said, now is the time. We're dealing with something that took place roughly 2,000 years ago. Now is the time when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. For the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. When you read that, read that about yourself. So at the is given to you to have life in yourself. Verse 27, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the son of man. See, we were just reading about the son of God. Now we're reading that the son of man has authority. Now, we have a series actually titled The Three Sons of God, where we explain these different offices. Uh, And that's available. You can have that as a digital download. Um, That's available. If you would like to learn more, just email us and we'll uh, work it out to get that to you. See, he had to experience what it was like to live in the flesh. 
where he learned obedience and he had to overcome the things of the flesh. And because he has overcome, he has been given authority to execute judgment in that office. And he is still overcoming every time we get the victory because we're walking in his victory. Verse 28 says, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth that have done good under the resurrection of life and they that have done evil under the resurrection of damnation. Now the word damnation is the Greek word uh Crisis or crises. And it means a tribunal, which is a court of justice, is what that actually means. And by implication, it means justice, specifically divine law, a trial or a contest. Now, I want to go back over to 1 Corinthians 15. I told you we're going to be working out of 1 Corinthians 15, 23. And for those of you that know how I teach, I'll take a scripture and we'll line item. We'll go, uh, we'll, we'll work vertically down the scriptures that we're dealing with. But when we get to a scripture, sometimes we've got to go horizontally to explain the scripture. So, Turn with me back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I'm going to read verse 23. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward, they that are Christ's at his coming. Now, Isaiah 26, 19 said, the dead men shall live together With my dead body they shall arise. Awaken, seeing you that dwell in the dust, for the dew is as the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. Every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. When is his coming? When he comes to dwell in you, that's when you are made alive. That's when you are quickened. That's when you are buried with him in baptism and you're resurrected to walk in the newness of life. Now, I want to look at verse 24. I might be getting ahead of myself. Every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, after they that are Christ at his coming. Then cometh the end. Do you see that word end? It's the Greek word telos. Then cometh the point aimed at as a goal, or the ultimate attaining of the point aimed at as a goal. When he shall have delivered up That means to surrender or yield up, to entrust or to transmit the kingdom of God. Even the Father, when he shall have put down 
all rule and all authority and all power. Let me read that again, just so you can grasp that. Those of you that are uh, maybe traveling and don't have a Bible in front of you. First Corinthians 1524 says, then cometh the end, the telos, the ultimate attaining of the point aimed at as a goal. When he shall have delivered up, which means to surrender, to yield up, to entrust or to transmit the kingdom of God, even the father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and all power. Who did he deliver the kingdom over to? Why did he put down all rule and all authority and all power? It makes you wonder, has he just stepped back and walked away? Well, let's look at, let's look at uh, Isaiah 9-7. It said, of the increase of his government... The word government means kingdom. So of the increase of his kingdom and peace, there shall be no end. Somebody say no end. No end. They can't hear you. <laughs> there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from hereafter, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So let's find out when this is actually going to happen. First Corinthians fifteen twenty five says, for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. And the verse 26, the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Okay, so he's going to reign until he destroys death, which is the last enemy that has to be put under his feet. Verse 27, for he has put all things under his feet. Do you see that? He already has put all things under his feet. But when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under his feet. Where is he accepted? He's accepted in the saints. See, he's accepted in us. Because we received him. Revelation chapter 19 verse 15 said, And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, which we understand and we know is the word of God, that with it he should smite the nations and shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now look at that. Both kings are capital and both lords are capital. 
because you are kings and priests unto God and have been given that authority. 1 Corinthians 15, 28 says, And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. That God may be all in all. Now, let's look at this for a moment here. And when he shall have subdued unto him, or all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also be subject unto him that put all things under him. What does it mean that the Son is going to be subject? It means that you have taken the role of sonship. That's why you're called the sons of God. That's why collectively you are the body of Christ. And you are subject to the head, which in actuality is supposed to do the thinking for you. And if you allow that head to do the thinking for you, then you'll be operating in this authority and in this power and in this dominion because it will have been transmitted or delivered over to you to rule and reign as king. This is what happens after the point aimed at as a goal. See that the goal is to get you converted and into the kingdom of God to where you can operate as king. Now, don't get confused thinking that you're ruling over your brother. You have no authority over your brother. Your authority is over your dominion, over your kingdom. What is your dominion and your kingdom? It's your earth. What is your earth? It's your body. See, you can rule over your body and your life with a rod of iron causing it to be subject to the head where you can follow after the spirit that will lead and guide you into all truth. And when you fall subject to the spirit where you allow that spirit to rule and lead and you follow the leading of that spirit, then all of these things that used to assault your kingdom and offend your kingdom will be bundled up to be burned by the word of God. Now, I want to read, I want to do another little line item here. I want to go over to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. To the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Look at it. Do you see this? has nothing to do with your calling. 
that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance. Look at this in the saints. So where, where is the glory of his inheritance? It's in the saints. We are in actuality the glory of his inheritance. Why are we the glory? Because salvation works. And that brings glory to God. Glory to God. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward? Do you see that? Where's the greatness of his power? To us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly. Where's he at? In the heavenly. Where are we made to sit together with him? In the heavenly. When does that happen? For some of us, it's already happened. We're already there. For some of you listening, you're just now attaining this. And for some of you, you think we're nutcases. (laughs) But you'll get it. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion. Do you see that? Where is the heavenly? It's far above all principality and power and might and dominion. What does that mean? It means that all of these things that are an offense to the kingdom, all of these things that are working to destroy you are actually beneath you. Why are they beneath you? Because you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who loved you. Not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Look at this, verse 23, which is his body. Now, what is his body? Ephesians 1.23. His body is the fullness of him. It's the fullness of him. See, the Bible said, In him dwelleth all fullness of the Godhead bodily. His body, which is us, the church, is and has become the fullness of him that filleth all in all. 